If you feel like you're a bottleneck, it, I feel like we solve that in a different way by creating systems and processes. If, you're, if your employees feel like you're a bottleneck, then yes, the systems and processes will help. But it, it's also about like saying to them, you're allowed to make these decisions in these circumstances. You don't need my approval. Like if I see something wrong, I'll let you know. But otherwise, just I trust you. Continue. Move forward. Do you feel like your employees feel like they can make decisions without you? Hey there, I'm Preston Lee. And I'm Clay Mosley. And this is Freelance to Founder. The journey from freelancing to running your own agency comes with its own unique set of challenges. Challenges that Clay and I have both faced while building our own successful businesses. And on this show, we sit down with freelancers and agency builders like you for value-packed on-air coaching sessions with one focus. Taking your business from freelance to founder. We'd love to have you join us on the air for an upcoming episode. To learn how to get your free coaching sessions like the guests you hear on our show, visit freelance2founder.com and click on the microphone icon. We are here and ready to help you take action in your business. On this week's episode, we talk with Jason Vance, a former web design freelancer who's building his next company in marketing. Jason stumbled on a really creative idea late last year, and it led him to pivot and start his own marketing agency. Now, just nine months later, he's got nine employees and a whole lot of work that needs to get done. Jason's biggest problem, though, is ensuring he's not holding his team back by being a bottleneck. It's a common problem many freelancers face as they grow their business, going from doing everything yourself to trusting employees to take on important tasks. And it's a subject Clay and I have a ton of experience in, which leads to a fantastic conversation with Jason about productivity, systems, empowerment, and trust. It's an eye-opening discussion your future self will thank you for listening to. And it all starts right after this quick message from our sponsors. Whether you want to travel more or communicate better with international clients, you need to try Babbel. I've used Babbel's courses and you can do the same in order to learn real life conversation skills in a different language, order food, ask for directions, or speak to clients without having to use translation apps. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription. This is only for our listeners at babbel.com slash freelance. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash freelance, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L.com slash freelance. Rules and restrictions apply. Great. We're excited to be joined today on this episode uh, by Jason Vance. Thanks so much for joining us, Jason. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. And I'm joined, as always, by Clay from Dripify, getdripify.com. Thanks for joining us, Clay. I appreciate it. Yeah, always happy to be here. We are going to have a good conversation today. Uh, Jason and Clay actually knew each other before the episode. I'm now just uh, right before we hit record, I was getting to know Jason a little bit more, and I'm excited to have this conversation. Jason, why don't we kick it off by you telling us uh, just a little bit about your business right now, where it's at, and the kind of work that you do. Yeah, for sure. So I actually just started a new business. I've been doing like websites and uh, branding, social media for a well, while, since the late 90s, and we just started a brand new business, new name. Uh, called Unbranded Media, and what we do is we create uh, localized media networks, so like a website, social media, we target a customer like a homeowner, and then we bring on partners where we create content for them to help them target their ideal customer, which we already have an audience of. Um, okay. something we, yeah, something that um, 
we experienced, we actually was like a happy accident. We realized a few years ago was one of the side projects I was doing and we found we could get really great reach and results for our clients. That was just a little bit different, different than their traditional sort of link on a website or a local media site. So, yeah, I like that. Could you give us an example, like a, a really concrete example of a client that you maybe have done this for? I think it's a cool concept. Yeah, we build a network, like we say, use home homeowners, home services. So we build a network of homeowners that we target. So we target homeowners, we give them roofing tips, electrical tips, you know, yard tips. And then we then go to the roofer, the plumber, the electrician, the yard maintenance guy and say, hey, we've got this audience that is your ideal audience. Come on our network will create content for me for you will promote your business and they're all they're all your ideal customer you're not having an ad on some site that you know you're just hoping that it's your ideal customer or or whatnot and we're very local so Hmm. um very like within a within a like a city limit range kind of i kind of like this it's almost like a variation of like influencer marketing is that right yeah, I I think so. And what where where the whole thing for us it was like this happy accident. We we were asked to film some uh, training videos for a community like three hours away on how to fish in the lake. And the and the community is known for beaches, wine, you know, like water skiing. But yet they've got this great fishery that nobody knows there's like all these fish in this lake. And they asked us to do some educational videos. And so we ended up creating these like eight, 12 minute long educational videos on how to fish for bass. And they ended up being the top three most viewed videos right against like GoPro and all that stuff for a couple of years. And we're like, how the heck did this happen? Or like very boring, how to fish in a lake video just got this great amount of reach. And we realized that when a whole bunch of people kept sharing, you have this weird viral effect. We we just kept like outperforming all their expectations by miles. And we were able to duplicate that same idea. So with this side project, we had this phishing website. We were able to take a bunch of partners that we had. And when we get a new piece of content, we'd ask them to share. And they'd always share. And, and our reach would always be like five, six times the normal standard of of what was wow. out there. Yeah, and and so that's where the the idea came from. We tested it for a bunch of years, um, and now we I've said, okay, I'm kind of done building websites for other people. I'll build my own and my own networks and and serve clients this way. Yeah, it sounds like a like a almost like a Val pack or a I, I don't know what you what what you've got up there locally, but like a you know like a coupon booklet. That, those are what I get in the mail all the time, but this right. is like yeah, on steroids. Cool. Like, like it's high, it's not only local, but then like within, within geography bounds, it's also got this really cool, like hyper-focused interest-based uh, element to it that you don't get when you, you know, put a coupon in a, in a coupon pack and send it out to basically everybody in the city or in the County or right. whatever. Yeah. I love that. Jason, what do you call it? What do you call in this service? Do you have a name for it? Um, well, my company's on branded media, but we, we've called it like piggyback marketing. You know, we've used a bunch of different, we don't really have a name, like how to describe what we actually do. Um, yeah. if you got one, I'll, I'll give you credit for it and use it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's how innovative it is. There's, there's no, like, there's no name for it. No. And we, and I've looked, I've looked like, like I know, is it BNA or BNI? Um, BNI yeah. groups. 
it, there's some similarities. Like we yeah. will limit some of the partners on some of the things. Other ones we will allow everybody. We just have different price points and how we how we manage it all. But yeah, no, I haven't really seen anything, and which is which is a bit of a challenge for us when we're explaining to potential right, partners yeah. that we want on the site to pay for yeah. them. So almost, um, you almost have to sell it twice, right? You have to sell it first to you have to sell it to them uh, what the idea is as a concept, right? and, yeah, yeah, as a concept, and then you have to sell it again to get their money. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, because it's a bit like we've had a hard time. I mean, we did eight hundred calls in the fall. Oh wow! We got like we got like <clears throat> um, we got four clients out of it, which isn't terrible, but it was not great either. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I I could make money if I every if I did uh, one client for every two hundred calls, but I'd rather have a you know one for every fifty. Right. Well, I mean, it sounds it sounds like you've got you've got something, uh, something that sounds really interesting. Like we've not heard anything like this before on the show. I think it's a really cool concept. Definitely. Like, how long have you been? So it sounds like you used to used to as a freelancer develop websites. Yeah, I've yeah I think I've built cool. like over four hundred websites. Been doing oh, it since wow. the late nineties. Yeah. Uh, it's always just been me and kind of always had one other person around, maybe two at times. Okay. Um, but and how many people now, are on this new concept? Um, there's nine of us right now. Cool. Over over how long? How long you been doing it? <laughs> uh, we've only been doing it since the fall. So. Uh, Really, wow, so like, like that's amazing. Eight months, nine months. Yeah. Yeah, and we so there was two of us coming into um, January, and then I've ha- added. I guess there'll be three of us coming into January, and then I've added uh, six people since then. Which the whole COVID timing wasn't hasn't been great. Yeah, yeah. Are we talking contractors or W two employees or? Um, yeah, they're all contractors right now. Yeah. So until I'm like, I've got a bit of a benchmark until we hit um, a certain benchmark, then, then I'll bring everybody on staff. Right now they're all contractors. Yeah. A couple overseas as well. So keep our costs down. I like that. That's smart. Yeah. Well, I love it. Yeah. Well, maybe that's, that's, that's a good, uh, good way to maybe segue into what we'll talk about for the bulk of the show, which is getting now from... You know, everybody who's on the show, we send them a questionnaire before we hop on the air so that we can get to know you a little bit better. And we always include this freelancer to founder scale that this whole show is beginning to to be based on, which is where are you at on a, on a scale of one to 10, one being a freelancer, 10 being a founder running a, a company with systems? You know, where are you on that scale? You put uh, a six, Jason, currently, which is higher than a yeah. lot of the guests that we have. So you're leaning more toward this founder side, which sounds right to me. I mean, if you've got nine people on the team, you're running this business that that's systematized, that has processes built in, that has a decent amount of revenue and clients coming in. So you're a six, and then you you maxed out, which I love on the scale. You said in the next six to twelve months, you want to be a ten on that scale. You want to be completely a founder running a business, no more considering yourself a freelancer. Tell us a little bit more about where that mentality comes from. Um, yeah, so I've always had one or two people working for me. I've always found my own clients. Um, and I would have I would have probably never called myself. I never felt like a, a freelancer, but even though we were just, I was always going to have a small team. But now I realize that um, I kind of want to be done doing the actual work, the web designing, the coding, all that. And so yeah. going from 
what I've done in the past to now, I just, I'd like to be, I'd like to be the boss and, and, you know, come up with other strategies and ideas. And, um, the one thing that for me with the last few months has been real challenges, like dealing with nine people and or eight, I guess I'd be nine and like feel like I'm always the bottleneck in, in that process. Um, mm. but I know for me to really like grow and do what I really want with my family and, and create the kind of business I want, I can't do it alone and I need to do it with people. And so for me growing, like being a one or two person, small team, uh, just, has worked for what we've like my family's needed for the last 10, 15 years, but not where we want to go forward. So I just have a bigger vision for what I want life to be and how I want to help people. And I can't do it alone. Can you kind of, can you kind of explain what you mean by you being the bottleneck? Yeah. So right now it feels like everybody is waiting for me to answer all their questions. Right. So I'm like, as much as I try to empower them to, you know, do their job, they're still like needing approval or things for me all the time. And the one thing I'm not great at is systems and processes. I think if I was, I probably would have had a bigger team and done a lot more earlier. Mm. Um, and, and so like, I'm, everything's just in my head. And when, when I get it out on paper, it works, but I don't often get it out enough for the team to be able to actually like follow those systems and processes. So they're always asking me and yeah. And then that takes up all my time. And then just, you know, hiring people, you know, losing people, um, training people. I, I, I always knew there was a cost to it, but it's that's been a very challenging thing as well. Like, it's crazy how long it takes to, like, onboard somebody and get them up to speed with what you're doing. And Yeah, that's an understatement. <laughs> yeah, I honestly, I had no idea. Like, I would just hire, like, a freelancer for him. Like, here's the mock-up of the website. Can you just build this for me? Or I need this logo. And it was always fairly straightforward. Well, now everybody's more full time and, and they need way more direction. And for me, that's been one of the biggest challenges. And then even finding good people. Like we've been through a lot of people and yeah, just like they'll start. And, and then like a few days later, they're like not going to do it or yeah. So it sounds like there's maybe there's maybe an issue of getting things out of your brain and almost out of your control a little bit more onto paper, into systems, into the company culture. But then there's also this issue of maybe because that's not happening, you know, there's a there's a higher rate of turnover than you'd like. People are leaving sooner than you'd like. Maybe those are, I, I would imagine those are probably related, you know, that people maybe don't feel empowered or don't feel able to accomplish whatever it is that you have in your head that that you're unable to get on paper. So I think these are all, if, if those sound accurate to you and accurate to, to Clay, maybe those are good things to discuss in this episode. I think they can be very common with someone at your stage who's who's growing a business, trying to figure out how to cross that line from, like you said, everything in your head to empowering and enabling everyone around you. Yeah, I, I think for sure. I mean, it's something I've been asking Clay for years to get me into all his processes stuff. <laughs> yes, I know. I know. You know what's funny? If you hadn't made that comment, I was about to make that comment. I know you and I have discussed this. And it's yeah. something I keep telling Jason. I'm like, okay, it's in the works. It's going to be in Dripify. But it's like it it, it, it just hasn't happened yet. <laughs> but oh, I swear. Oh. I swear it's gonna it's gonna come uh, soon, but Jason's heard that before. Yes, know? I have. Um, it's it's all in Clay's head right now. He's got to get yeah. it out on paper. He's got the yeah, same problem, yeah, right? Right. 
The problem is, is I have I have so much in my head that I can't, there's not enough yeah. paper to go around. We're all there, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you do have to document your processes. And so kind of the first step that I would suggest here is to literally whiteboard your entire process. And I know this is like difficult because it's, you're, you're providing a service that's new. Um, and there's probably not any documented processes out there, but you've probably probably been through this enough with, with uh, a few clients where you can document from beginning to end what it looks like and like how, how you can systemize it. Like if there, and I would look at different aspects of that process and say, okay, here are the, here are the parts of the process that are exactly the same every single time. Right. So like if, for example, um, you know, like if, if I were doing a website, uh, a very common step is you need to have what I call a kickoff call or, or what some people call a discovery call. Um, right. So like that's a first thing, but like you got to also think about, okay, well, how does that happen? Is it a Zoom call? Is, like what, what's the tech behind that? What's the pro, like what email is sent out to the, the client? Like can you systemize that email? Uh, can you literally like copy and paste an email, change their name and send it over to them? Um, so I would, that's kind of the first thing I would, I would look at. Um, I would say another thing too is, and Preston's going to have a lot more to say on this is because I don't have that much experience with contractors, but from my experience with contractors, they have less skin in the game or they're, they're, they're less, uh, passionate about like what you do with your company and your brand, um, contractors are generally speaking, they are paid to do a job and that's pretty much it. And then once the job is done, like they, they just kind of wipe their hands of it. Um, I don't know, Preston, what do you think about that? Oh man, I have so many, uh, things to say here. I, I think it could be helpful before we go much further to give a little bit of context for Jason, but also for the listeners, Clay, as listeners know, and you probably know, Jason, Clay has built an agency on, on W2 employees, uh, you know, a very sort of traditional setup in terms of hiring W2 employees, having full-time employees in-house working all together. I, on the other hand, have built my business uh, largely with contractors. So our team right now is made up of just four of us, and I'm the only one full-time on the team. However, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I don't even know where to start, but let, let me start first with the, the question on contractors, because I think I've actually really loved working with contractors on the team. Uh, but I but in fairness, I don't treat them like a, a one off contract job either. I I pay them a flat monthly salary, for lack of a better word. And so they kind of get paid like an, a part time employee would. Uh, and, and then we work together like a team, like we, we have goals together that we decide on, we have plans that we build together. And so the team does feel invested in where our company goes, despite being quote unquote, a contractor. So I guess, you know, legally they're contractors, but, but I think there are ways you can treat them a little bit more like a team to make them feel invested in the company, uh, for the long haul. You know, a lot of, a lot of uh, two of the three other members of the team have been with me for, I don't even know how long, four years, five years, maybe. Yeah maybe longer for quite a while so my contractors like i've been paying them all on monthly salary they're not hourly yeah and then oh that's good i've treated them like they're part of the team like um and it basically expressed that like once we he once we hit our you know kind of our certain benchmarks uh they will all become i don't know what the, i'm in canada so i don't know what what it's 
it's different the way you got you call them w2 employees we just i don't oh, have yeah, a name sorry. like that yeah yeah so so in the u.s uh, <laughs> sorry i forgot no no good. <laughs> um so in the u.s a w2 employee just is the w2 is the is the tax form that they okay basically that yeah. that governs how much <laughs> what taxes they pay and how much yeah so so that's just shorthand for like a full-time employee okay. on payroll yeah 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 so we so that's what i i've expressed that with everybody um i actually have one guy in the states too so i'll have to figure out what that looks like as well that's interesting um so how many how many have been with you for a while i mean with a new venture everybody's fairly new but i've had one guy with me for a year and a half okay and then i recently like within the last four weeks um have a new guy but we've actually known each other for a bunch of years and he's done work for me in the past and he's fully committed like he's Mm. like this is he's like i've actually been yeah i've been waiting for the right time to come work with you and this is it so I would be curious to ask both of those people, like why the reasons why they feel the way they do or, or, or why they have stayed with you um, for this long versus the other ones, because you said you have a little bit of a turnover issue. Um, well, the, yeah, the I, I turnover is, the difference. and actually I can be really specific about the turnover too, because the turnover has been with the sales and like the sales oh, team classics sales oh, people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that explains a lot that explains a lot <laughs> yeah and actually everybody else has been on board um the other turnover we've had a, a bit of turnovers are, are virtual assistants and I'm, I'm trying to navigate i had one virtual assistant from the philippines work for me for four years straight he loved working with me um but we've gone through like four or five now in the last little bit and so Mm. Um, trying to figure that out as well. I don't know what was different, but I. So I mean, it sounds like you have a lot, a lot going for you. You seem very driven and motivated, and you seem to have a, a pretty clear vision in your mind of where it where it can go. So I I love all of that. I think you have that all working in your favor. I wonder if we can come back and revisit this idea of of because because it's obviously it's not a vision problem and it's not no. a direction that. It's maybe not even a leadership problem. It's it feels like like you said a bottleneck problem, a systems problem. So, why don't we take a quick two minute break here? Um, hear a message from our sponsors. When we get back, we're gonna. I, I have some thoughts on some of the things Clay said earlier about systems and processes, uh, about detailing those. So I want to share those, and then maybe that'll launch us into the rest of the conversation where we we dive a little deeper. Does that sound okay to you guys? Yeah, sounds great. Okay, perfect. We're gonna take a quick break. You know, working from home is mostly great, but there are some days when I realize I haven't left my house or even my chair like all day. Have you been there? Getting outside to exercise or making a trip to the gym are just harder now that my office is just a flight of stairs away. If you're stuck in the same rut as me, then you should try Hydro. That's H-Y-D-R-O-W. With the Hydro rower and 20 minutes a day, getting a full body workout is so much easier. Hydro can work up to 86% of your muscles in just 20 minutes for an insane effective home workout. That's because Hydro pairs the effectiveness of rowing with the power of technology to connect you with over 5,000 video trainings, classes, and workouts. And get ready to get out from behind your home desk because after a few months of daily rowing with Hydro, your partner's going to want to take you out for a night on the town to show you off. This spring, join the growing rowing community at Hydro. Head over to hydro.com and use code FREELANCE to save up to $400 off your Hydro. 
That's H-Y-D-R-O-W.com and promo code FREELANCE to save $400. Hydro.com promo code FREELANCE or just click the link in our show description. Have you ever noticed that many of the problems people call in with on this show can be solved by hiring someone? Sometimes you need a full-fledged team, other times maybe just a simple assistant or an expert in something you're not great at. Whatever your reason for hiring, we recommend you take a look at LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. As you may know already, LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. It gives you access to professionals you can't find anywhere else. And LinkedIn Jobs makes the process of finding the perfect teammate easy and intuitive. Hiring is always easy when you have access to so many quality candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours when using LinkedIn Jobs. I've used it myself, and it was so simple. In fact, I've made multiple hires using LinkedIn Jobs, and did I mention, by the way, it's free to business owners like me and you. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash freelance. That's linkedin.com slash freelance to post your job for free or click the link in our show description. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome back to Freelance to Founder. We're talking today with Jason Vance. Uh, we're, we're chatting about his business, Unbranded Media, and we've we've discovered that there's maybe a bottleneck issue in terms of processes, sharing processes with employees. Uh, and so we're going to dive a little bit more for the rest of this episode into how to unbottleneck yourself, I suppose. Is that a, is that a fair way to put it, guys? Yeah. Oh, for sure. Great. I want to make a couple comments on some things I heard Clay say, which I thought were great. You know, he said, grab a whiteboard and start documenting all your processes. If it were me and I were and I had this new business and things were a little gray in terms of how it all gets done and maybe it gets done differently every time, I would uh, I would actually just pick one or two processes at a time. Like I would just pick one thing, like Clay said, maybe the sales call and just figure out how that has happened historically and write it down. And it may not be the perfect process. And you just have to acknowledge that when you write it down but write down how it historically has happened. Then have someone else try to follow it. And as they follow it, have them note what, what doesn't work, what doesn't make sense, what's not clear, may, and even rely on your employees to even find better ways to do things. You know what I mean? So an employee might read your thing that says, hop on Zoom, schedule a call, give them an ID, and they're like, well, what, what if we just used FaceTime instead? Or what if I just got on the phone or whatever? Um, you know, there's going to be little things that they work better with, that they have better ideas. Um, and I would say that's part of empowering your employees is allowing them to make changes to your processes in ways right. that benefit both them and the company. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's a really good point, Preston. How do you guys like, where do you put all your processes? Like you just put them on Google Docs or ah. um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm way more creative. And like, if you came to my world, even my like digital world is fairly all over the place. But yeah, like being organized is also a bit of that, a bit of an issue too, because yeah. people keep asking, oh, where yeah. is this and how do I find it? And Yeah, totally. So I, there are lots of good solutions. I, I do just use Google Drive. I just tend to like Google Drive. I feel, find it's really, really flexible. So we just, we just document each process in a folder that we all have access to. And then I'll even tell my team like, hey, now that we've got this figured out, could you just quickly go document that process and save it in the processes folder? They go and save that in the folder and then we all have access to it so that if heaven forbid, they get hit by a bus or we, or even better, we hire someone else, then those are all there so they can access them. Right. Yeah. I'm a little bit different. Um, so having a good project management software, I think is key. 
that fits your processes. Mm. And so this is why I said like whiteboard all your processes first. Um, and I think, I think people get this backwards. I think people try to, they, they purchase um, a software and then they try to make their systems match that software. I think first you should, you should, you should whiteboard your processes and then try to find a project management software software that fits that process. Um, and then the second thing is like, I, the reason I say that that's key is because that's what your team is going to be living, eating, breathing, yeah. sleeping in. And so I think if you have the right software, you could actually document your processes in there. So like, for right. example, I use, I just recently, I used to use monday.com. Um, I just yep. recently switched to ClickUp. Um, they're both very good softwares, uh, but I found a way that where I can create a whole area where it's just for the SOP, the standard operating procedures, and I can embed videos and different files and things like that. And what's really cool about that is my team is already in there. And so it's, it's very easy for them to access that area. The easier to for the team to access that area, the better, and the the more likelihood that they'll actually use those procedures. Right. I've been a longtime Trello user, which I've loved being mm -hmm. like kind of just cards and moving stuff around and sort of how my brain works. Found the team wasn't always using it, so we actually recently switched to Basecamp. Um, yeah. And that's been really good. And like Basecamp has these daily prompts, like what did you do today or what are you going to do today or what did you do this week? And shockingly, like everybody on my team fills it out. I had like wow, no idea. Cause I, and I actually asked <laughs> in one of our team meetings, like, do you guys want me to turn this off? They're like, no, I kind of like it. I'm like, wicked. Let me, I don't even have to ask you done today then. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's but, interesting. Yeah, I went, I went through that same thing with my team. Uh, we used to use um, a different software before we switch to Monday, this is with the agency that I owned and nobody used that first software. But then when, whenever we switched to the new one, everybody started using it. And like, I, I don't, I should have asked them why, but for some reason they just magically started using it. I don't know if it was just more visual or, or something. Um, but I think that brings up a really good point is just because the team is not using the software doesn't mean that they're not open to using it. Maybe it's just not the right software, you know? That's a really right. good point. Can I ask you guys a question, actually? Because we don't have a centralized project management system at Milo. We, uh, we obviously communicate with Slack and email, but we don't have like a centralized place. I've considered Monday or Asana. I've used Asana, which I actually didn't like very much. I've been a big Trello fan for a long time, but I've tried to get the team on Trello and it was just kind of hit or miss. What we've found actually works really well for us is we, we decide on plans and tasks together, but then everyone uses their own project management system, uh, whatever, whatever they're comfortable with or whatever they work well with. I guess, what are the drawbacks to that that you've seen, guys? And, and um, I'm, I'm maybe asking you to convince me here to, to get on something like Monday where we're all together. Is it, is it an issue of like, because I don't want to micromanage my team, and I'm not saying you guys have, but that's, that's the only upside I see to it is me being able to see every detail of what what the employees are doing. And I don't know that I necessarily need or want that. Jason, you want to take a crack at that one? Yeah, I think for me, like what having all my team in one place does for the projects is lets me just see the, the progress on a project. And also like, I don't, I wouldn't know where to, where to send tasks or random things that I would need. And 
and trust myself enough to know that they're going to get done or followed up on. I see. And not just forgotten. Yeah. Cause I, I like, even as you're saying this, I'm like, crap, I sent a couple emails uh, earlier this week and I'm like, I don't know if they're done. And I'm like, I should just put them in base camp. Cause then I, I would be able to look and see if they're done or not. So I think for me, it's a little bit of a brain dump too, for some of that stuff. Um, yeah, that makes sense. And and I do that personally on Trello. Like I keep track of all of my tasks on Trello. Um, but but my team doesn't share that necessarily. For me, it allows me to see an overall snapshot of where my business is. So like anything that's related to any kind of client work, we document into this software. And so that way, if I ever have to go back and look historically what we've done, um, then I have one centralized location to look versus trying to find it in, okay, is it in Google Drive? No. Is it is it in Google Docs? Is it on this? You know, Trello? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's like... It's all right there in one place. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that, you guys. I, I, I don't want to... I didn't want to steer the conversation too far away from this idea of fixing the bottleneck issue. I don't know. Are there more thoughts, Jason, more questions or Clay, more thoughts on on the bottleneck issue? How do we... How do we keep ourselves? It's a, it's a common thing when you're starting your own business because at some point you are doing it all and then at some point you don't want to do it all. So how do you avoid becoming a bottleneck? Jason, did you ever answer the question? Um, you, you said you had people ask, you, uh, you, had, you asked people what your superpower was. Did you ever answer that question? Like what people um, said? I don't know if I did. I, I know the guy that works for me, he, he said he loves my vision and Oh, that's right. Um, yeah. I, and I like for me, uh, the friends and people close to me, when I asked, they all sort of said the same thing. And, you know, they said that they like that I'm a dreamer, visionary, and how I treat people. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, which for me, like when, when I translate to being a leader of my business, I actually have no problem in dealing with the staff, mm-hmm. everybody who works for me, you know, always for the most part loved working with me and, um, that's not been an issue. I mean, that's a huge, that's a huge like pat on the back for you. Not, not everyone gets that kind of feedback from the people that work for them. That's cool. Yeah. Can I ask this question uh, then? Uh, Is it that you're, do you get a sense that your employees feel like you're a bottleneck or do you just feel like you're a bottleneck? Maybe both for sure. Like, uh, there's, you know, right now my, my, the girl that's doing all the design for us and, um, the, the one guy doing the web stuff, they both messaged me this morning just before we got on here. And they're like, just waiting on Jason to respond to like a few things. Right. So, yeah, um, well, I guess but... I, I guess I ask because it, it seems like maybe two different problems. Like if you feel like you're a bottleneck, that's it. I feel like we solve that in a different way by creating systems and processes. If you're, if your employees feel like you're a bottleneck, then, then yes, the systems and processes will help, but it, it's also about like saying to them, you're allowed to make these decisions in these circumstances. You don't need my approval. You don't need to message me about this when you have a question. Like if I see something wrong, I'll let you know. But otherwise, just I trust you continue move forward. You know what I mean? So I guess I I guess like, it's a pretty personal question. But do, do you feel like your employees feel like they can make decisions without you? Or is that why they're messaging you all the time is because they feel like you have to have final say on everything? Um, we, we've talked about this and I, you know, I try to empower them as much as we can. And, um, you know, a few things recently, like I've said, like, you just do it. And then it's come back and like, not been anywhere close to what we've needed. 
but yeah, some of them come back and I, you know, I haven't really been happy with them and, and, and then, you know, it's like newer people too. I don't really know how to always critique them without right. you know, being yeah. a jerk or whatever. Right. And, and so, um, I've tried to just be like, okay, well just let me just, just filter everything through me. And for right now, as you know, basically as we build trust, right. Um, and so if I see that you're doing better work, I'll like, I'll give you more of a leash, but the team's pretty new. And that's, I think part of my issue too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the guy that's been working with me for a while, like I just kind of let him go. Um, and I actually had a girl that was working with me for a long time and she just left. We just like give her two sentence instructions and she'd be good for weeks, <laughs> Yeah, which yeah. is well, like awesome. So but, that, that, uh, yeah. I would say there's a couple of things you could do here. Um, one is I, I 100% agree with Preston is I would say just giving them more power and what's going to help with this. And I had the same issue. Um, and I don't know if you've done this, but have you, have you actually documented what their responsibilities are and what they have the power to do and what they need to ask you, like in, in, reach out to you for, mm. have you actually documented that on paper? No. That would be one of those. So many that's what I would head. do. Yeah, I, right. I would yeah, do that sure. because I had I, I ran into this issue as well um, where I would have verbal conversations, but it, it, it kept becoming the same issue. And so hmm. what we actually did, we actually wrote down. I said, OK, here here is here are your responsibilities, like list them out and then also say you have the power to make these kinds of decisions. And then here, here is a short list of things that when you run into these things, you have to ask me about these. So that way it's like very concrete what, what they need to ask you about. Um, The other thing too is, I don't know if you have a, I don't know if you have an issue. Do you have an issue with, with uh, your team um, asking you how to do something before, actually before they attempt to try it try it yeah uh no i haven't i haven't had that you haven't had that okay well so i'm just gonna bring this up for the listeners that do have this problem uh because i had a big problem with that um and and jason if you ever do run into this issue this is what i would suggest because i had i had a lot of times the team would be like they would they would ask me how to do something before they took 15 minutes to try to figure it out and so one of the things I did was, uh, especially if you have a virtual team, um, is I told the team, I said, hey, if it's a complete emergency, you can either text or call me. Um, otherwise, if you need to know something, just email me And if it's not urgent. And I have basically, quote unquote, open office hours for the team from like this time to this time. And that's where I'll answer your question. So a lot, what will happen naturally is the team, if let's just say at 9 or 10 a.m. in the morning. They don't want to wait. They don't want to wait till 4 p.m., right? If that if those are the office hours you set, they don't want to wait. And so magically, they'll figure it out, and they do. And when I, I implemented that rule, um, and 80%, 80 90% of those those inquiries to me, like it, it was reduced by that much. It, it was crazy. It was crazy. That's such good advice. I, I've done that too in lots of different scenarios, and, it, and it's true. Like people... People want the quickest solution and they think sometimes that asking you is the quickest solution, 
But if you can create a culture where asking you is not the quickest solution, then they end up finding something faster, which is solving it themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you'll see that. that a lot with uh, with the younger um, crowd. When I say younger, um, my experience is when they're 25-ish, um, that their first reaction is just to ask how to do it versus taking five minutes yeah. to try to figure it out. <laughs> I, I actually, I teach a, a WordPress course at a university part-time. And this is like so true of that age group, particularly. Yep. And and if I just, and I have the same thing. I have office hours, certain time of day when I only, because if I, if I spent all day answering their questions, like it would not be a, a one and a half credit part-time job that I'm mostly doing for fun. It would be like this <laughs> full-time job and I would not have any money. So yeah, I, I agree 100%. That is that is fantastic advice. Cool, cool. <laughs> if I can add to some of that advice too, especially backing up to like saying, you know, getting down on paper, here's what you can do, here's what you can't do, here's what you need my approval for, here's what you can just move forward with. All those things are important. In addition to that, there's this corporate training called uh, Partners in Leadership. I don't remember. I, I, had, I was forced to take it when I worked a corporate job, and I literally remember almost nothing from it. But one thing that has always stuck with me is this phrase that says experiences create beliefs. And so you can tell your team all you want. You can tell them till you're blue in the face that they're allowed to do this and they shouldn't do that and ask you in this situation and don't ask you in that. But then if you turn around and you know, get angry because, and I'm not saying you do Jason necessarily, but you know, if one gets angry when, when something doesn't turn out perfectly or, or if you criticize them when something's not perfect or if, or whatever, then they start to feel like they have to come to you, even though the paper says they don't have to come to you. So there's, there's definitely a, a culture balance between what's on paper and what happens in the workplace. We've all had bosses like that, where they say that we can make the decision, but then if we make the wrong one, they're, they're all over us for it. So there is that definitely that balance between paper versus culture. Yeah, I, 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 mean, I can feel that and definitely feeling the difference from being like a freelancer with one person going to like now there's a whole team and figuring out how to navigate all of that. Yeah. It's yeah. a very different role that uh, I've had some experience in leadership, but um, yeah, it's just a, it's a very different role. Like, it's very easy to be just the one guy that answers everything that does everything. And, mm-hmm. and then having to think about creating the culture and what does that look like? I, I mean, it's a topic that me and one of my team members have that's been around for a while talk about quite a bit. Like what does our culture look like? You know, and how do we get people to buy in and, and be a part of that? And, you know, something there yeah. that will help you is to, if you haven't already done it is to document and like create and document what your company core values are. Mm, um, that's a good idea. That, and, and a lot of people will, will create this and they'll have like a list of 10 core values. Like keep it to like three or four. Yeah. Core. Um, <laughs> yes. Core. <laughs> um, so like it may, it may sound super cheesy to a lot of people, but this is so important. And I think the reason why this is important for you especially is because the people that have stuck with you for the longest, they're, they're sticking with you because of your vision, which yeah. is part of your core values, right? Um, and so if you document this, and then whenever you are trying to find people to hire, I think that's like the number one thing you check to see if they if they're core values line up with yours 
And that's one thing that hmm. I had my agency for five years and we, I, unfortunately we didn't, we didn't implement this until like year three, but like after we implemented this, everything seemed to fall like decision-making uh, made things a heck of a lot easier. So we had four core values and I'm not going to go into them, but basically we said every single decision that we make from hiring to buying software to anything had to fit all four quadrants of our core values. If, if it didn't, if it only fit three out of four, we, we didn't do it. So like if, if we were hiring, if we were interviewing someone and they fit three out of four, like we did not hire that person. And so I think this is going to be especially important whenever you're interviewing people is, okay, do they fit all of these core values? Because if they do, the likelihood of them sticking around is so much higher versus one that only has one or two. Um, so I, I would highly recommend that you do that. Well, that's good because I was actually, I after we're done this, I actually have an interview with a sales guy and um, mm. I've and I've probably interviewed a dozen sales guys since January. And I was like going back through all my notes and thinking like, well, how do I do this? Because my theory is that sales guys don't want money and we kind of like, money's not really even a value for me. And so I literally was like, I'm not going to even use that in part of this conversation with this sales guy. So... Um, yeah, that's really great advice, actually. So yeah, that's I'll, perfect for this. I'll give you a, yeah. a kind of a side note on sales. <laughs> um, the, I have some kind of good news, bad news there. The good news <laughs> or the the bad news is um, you're going to have to hire probably like 10 salespeople to get one good one. <laughs> yeah, that's generous, too. That, yeah, I think it is. Yeah, okay. it's probably more like 20. That's depressing, um, but all right. It is. Yeah, <laughs> it so is that's, depressing. It's very depressing. And, that's, and let me tell you, this is the this is how it is in every single industry with that that higher sales teams. You, like salespeople are the biggest BSers when it comes to the interview. Like they know right. how to sell the interview, <laughs> but they don't know how to sell a product or service. Right. Like like if, out of twenty of them, nineteen know how to sell the interview. They get hired. And the problem is, it's like, okay, it's six months later and you realize that they don't know how to sell anything. And so, it, you, yeah, you have to hire probably 10 to 20 of them to find one good one. Right. And so what I would suggest there is, is hire a lot of them, uh, not at the same time, obviously, but like hire, hire salespeople, but be very, very quick to fire them. Right, because you're gonna know. I, my opinion, you're gonna know whether somebody is going to be a good salesperson or a bad one within the first month. I agree. I agree. Right. And so well, that I makes, think that makes sense, yeah. even with the short track track record I've had so far. So yeah. Mm -hmm. I, yeah. I think I think every single hire that you 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 have, uh, give them 30 days and see how how like kind of see what your gut feeling is. And then yep. at the 30, 30 day mark, like you make a decision, you know. And you know what I would add to that in hiring salespeople is you might be surprised that, uh, you know, someone who's not technically a sales professional could actually be better at selling your product than, you know, someone coming in who's unfamiliar. There might be someone on your team already who could, right. who could be promoted or shifted over to become a sales leader in your company because they're so passionate about the product. Sometimes that just shines through automatically. And then 
it's so easy to sell because they actually believe in what you're offering your your customers. Mm-hmm. So you don't necessarily have to hire from scratch a salesperson. You could hire someone who's intimately familiar with the company, who loves and agrees with your vision, who is devoted to being there for the long haul, and they could they could do sales and eventually lead like a sales team despite not having a degree in, you know, in sales or experience in sales or anything like that. No, that's great advice, actually. It's so funny that you bring that up, Preston, because I like after well into the the agency, um, probably my fourth, fifth year, we we determined that the best people that did the sales were the ones who actually did the work first. So mm, they, knew yeah. the, they knew the ins and outs of the actual projects. And so they became the best salespeople because not only did they love that, like they loved doing that, but they could answer the technical questions if it came up. Which and just so, inspires confidence in the in the it does. person you're selling. Yeah. So Clay, were you like taking like your your graphic designer and turning them into uh like your sales person? Um, or how did how did that process work? Kind of. Kind of. So what I did was um we didn't actually have a a one hundred percent sales team. Um, right. And what I mean by that is people who did sales and they, that's all they did. Um, we actually highly, highly incentivized the project team when they made an introduction to uh, to the company for a sale. And so I only hired I people that. that we knew are are people people persons. Is that how, is that the right phrase? They were they were they had people skills. <laughs> It works. <laughs> yeah. So like a lot of times you, you'll you'll come across a talented, very talented like web designer or graphic designer, but they don't have people skills. We did not hire that person. That was one of our core values was you had to have, you had to be good with people. And so not only did that help on the project side, because you have to work with the client directly, right? But it also, it also allowed us to to encourage the team to just talk to people about our product or service and so it was super easy for them to to make a sale because they were passionate they were already naturally uh they had people skills and so it, the the entire team was a sales team and so that sales came easy to us because like legitimately I was I was probably the only salesperson, like truly. Um, but the but a lot of our sales came from the the project team because of that. Nice. Well, I don't want to toot our own horns, but I think that was like a masterclass in in hiring the right uh, sales people. <laughs> Hope, hopefully, our uh, our experience pans out for you, Jason. I I I know how much of a struggle that can be. So I really I really hope you can find the right people for that. Yeah. Thanks. Um, I appreciate both of your time. Jason, is there anything we've left out that we really, really need to include before we wrap up this episode? No, I think you kind of just covered all the bases for the things I feel like struggling getting ahead. But yeah, no, it's great. Good, man. Well, if if it would be okay with you, we would love to follow up with you here in a few months and catch up on how it's gone, hiring salespeople, uh, getting rid of the bottleneck problem, all of... All of the issues we've talked about today, we could follow up in a few months and maybe have another quick chat. Would that be all right with you? Yeah, I'd love that. Okay, man. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the air today. Clay, thank you, obviously, as always. Yeah. It's been a pleasure, guys. Thanks, Jason. Thanks for having me. 
Freelance the Founder is a production of Milo. You can discover more business building resources for freelancers at millo.co. And you can learn more about Clay's business and level up your entrepreneurial skills by visiting getdripify.com. Freelance the Founder is distributed by The Podglomerate. You can check out their other great podcast at thepodglomerate.com. And the theme music was produced by Joaquim Carud. You can subscribe to the show in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or by searching Freelance to Founder in your favorite podcast player. We'd love to have you join us on an upcoming episode. To learn more, visit freelancetofounder.com. That's all for this week's episode. Until next time, keep up the hard work and we'll see you soon. See ya.